Welcome to Our Parents Did What? A Tour of the Parenting Perils of Yesteryear. I'm Diane Aragona. And I'm your co-host, Jen Tierney. Join us as we travel back in time to take a look at the sometimes unbelievable history of parenting. I don't know about you, but I want to hear some mom moments. So when we're recording this, it's one of the last warmish days of fall in New England. Like the trees are just starting to lose their leaves and um, and the kids tonight just, they looked at us and they were like, let's have a fire. And I was Aww. like, I was like, yeah, let's do it. And it was just, it, it was this nice spur of the moment thing and we could totally accommodate it because it hasn't rained in a while. So all the wood was dry and and it was just like it was really good timing. Um, and so we we got the fire going pretty quickly. And I went inside because they were like, well, I want to have s'mores. And I was like, of course you well, do. Obviously. And I was like, I don't know if I have I don't know if I have the makings for s'mores right now. Like that's not always something that I have just like lying around the house. <laughs> Um, in the summertime, it usually is, but I was like, oh, I don't know if I have anything. And I found in the back of the cabinet something that I had purchased like on a whim and hidden from them as much as myself, this bag of marshmallows that were stuffed with chocolate. <gasps> Isn't that brilliant? I didn't even know that was a thing that somebody made. It was amazing. Like you put the stick into the marshmallow and it goes straight into the chocolate chunk that's in the mis- middle. <gasps> And you put it over the fire and it roasts the marshmallow and the chocolate so that the marshmallow and the chocolate are melted together. You put it in the graham cracker. They like the kids were like, what is this sorcery? Even Joe, who hates s'mores, was like, this is amazing. Okay, back up. (laughs) How do you hate s'mores as a human? Joe, I know. (laughs) Joe is a really odd person. Um, He doesn't like most things that are sweet. (laughs) That's true. I I knew that. I like to say he doesn't like fun. I'm just like, oh, you just don't like fun. Um, yeah, like he really likes dark, dark, dark chocolate. Like when it comes to ice cream, he likes mint chocolate chip. He doesn't like oh, I love any mint of, like, chocolate chip. fruity flavors or anything like that. Yeah, like he, he like if he's gonna have any sort of candy or anything, it's gonna be like indulgent, dark, rich, that kind of stuff. Mm. Marshmallows are like not his. Yeah, but like, like too sweet, too airy. But does anybody um, like marshmallows by themselves? Like marshmallows are for s'mores. I I would agree with you. However, I do have this incredible friend who is just like she's just a really cool creator who who just whenever I go to see her anywhere, she always brings like an amazing cocktail or a really great Ooh. like homemade thing that she's like she's just great. And one of the times that I saw her during the pandemic, we had a lot of like outdoor gatherings. So we'd all mm-hmm. like bundle up in coats and go stand by somebody's fire pit. And for one of those gatherings, she brought homemade marshmallows and they were oh. the greatest things I've ever eaten. I'd eat them alone all day, every day. They were so good. Wow. Silly. They just melted. It would, oh, they were just so good. So yes, that's my friend Monique. And I just, ah, oh, I can't wait for her marshmallows yeah. this winter. I, I, I assume I will be getting some somewhere. <laughs> you've manifested it. You've put it out it's there. Just, like it's in the universe. Hopefully she'll hear this episode and go, oh, I can make her marshmallows. She's she's one of the people who has some of my sourdough starter. So I uh, feel like, you know, I've paid it forward. You have. Now she needs to return the favorite marshmallow. You deserve those marshmallows. Deserve marshmallows. Damn it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. What have you got next? Oh, I went away for the weekend. Mm-hmm. 
when was that? Last weekend? I don't even know. What day is it? Who am I? Um, I I went away for four days-ish. It was like Thursday night to Sunday with a bunch of friends. And we went to Lake George and it was it was very nice. But it was the first time I had been away from Rini for like a long time. Like that's a long time. And Chuck wasn't with me. He was home. So, um, you know, he had Rini for most of the weekend. But for one overnight, I sent her to my dad's because A, he needs to work, but also like give him a break. So she went to my dad's and, you know, my dad sent me videos. He's got her like doing yard work. Like like, the the things he gets her to do. I'm like, I know you've seen them probably. I'm like, how do you get her to do that? Like, I try to get her to help me with stuff. And like, it's cute. And she kind of does. But like with him, she was like shoveling and putting it in. I was like, but my favorite video, I don't know if he posted this one, was I I get the text and it's like the thumbnail is just like a martini or some type of like, like I don't know, <laughs> cocktail. And I'm like, okay, what's yeah. going on? So I play the video and they're having happy hour outside. <laughs> and so my dad's got his cocktail. Lori's got her wine. Rini's got her chocolate milk and they're having snacks and they're literally having happy hour. And my dad's like, Rini, say happy hour. And she's like, happy hour. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) I was like, wow, we're really training her young. We like our happy hours in this family. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I I feel that real hard. Mm -hmm. Your dad is just like, I really believe he was born to be a grandfather before basically anything else. That's not so funny. Just born to be Rini's grandfather. And one of the things that he does that I uh, that I really love the most and that I encourage all like caregivers to do with their kids is he does an amazing job of narrating her world as it's happening around yeah, her. Yeah, you're right. It's just so good. He's like, Rini, you're raking those leaves. Great job raking those leaves. Yeah, you're picking up those leaves. And it's just, it's just so good. It's good for her language. It's good to yeah. empower her. It's just, he's just so good. He's, he's so, so good. funny too, because all the time he'll be like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't remember this. I don't remember that. And I'm like, dad, you're doing great. He's a natural. He's so good. He's the best. So the swing is this ancient invention, right? It has been around for like as long as we have recorded history, basically. It's a very old thing. However, the slide, Diane, is super duper modern. And that's oh really? Yeah. So like, you know, when you said like when you think of playground, you think of swing. When I think of playground, I think of slide. Slide. Yeah. It's swing and slide were the first two things that I looked up. I just happened to look up swing first. Yeah. And then I immediately looked up slide. And what I discovered, like, I was truly shocked. <laughs> I, I was, like, really thinking it was, like, at at least as old as I thought the, slide, the swing was, which was, like, the 16 or 1700s. So there's some deba- debate over when and where the very first slide appeared. But it's believed to be sometime between 1900 and 1905. What? Right? I know. So it was most likely either at a playground in Washington, D.C. or at Coney Island. Good old Coney Island, our Coney favorite. Island. There is the the estate of this man named Charles Wicksteed, who contends that he built the first children's slide in 1922 in Wicksteed Park in Kettering, Northamptonshire, oh. the U.K. However, there are pictures and clear evidence that like Coney Island had one in 1903. So like... <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, dude. I think like they just need to cool their jets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so my other favorite little tidbit about Charles Wicksteed is that his slides always appeared in sets of two right next to each other. A higher and longer one for the boys and a oh. lower, shorter one for the girls. <laughs> okay. What was his name? Charles? Charles. Wicksteed? Get out. Yeah, right? (laughs) What a butt. (laughs) You can leave. (laughs) I know. There's all these pictures of these two slides and the boys like going down this big, and they were all wooden planks. It wasn't made Mm -hmm. out of anything. It was just wooden planks. Right. These boys going down these big, and these girls basically like shimmying themselves down this really like low. Come on. (laughs) So that that kind of, that made me laugh. I was like, what? (sighs) Gendered kid slides jesus of all the things so but one thing that he had that was not limited to boys or girls was he had something called the plank swing which i thought was really cool it basically looked like a cross between a seesaw and a swing so it was like a a bar in the middle and then two pieces of rope and then a big plank and the kids would sit on it and then it would go back and forth so kind of like that viking ride at yes parks like that and that looked super fun. I was like, ooh, I kind of wish we still had them. Yeah. <laughs> we probably have them somewhere. We just don't have them here. Yeah. But yeah. So that looked like it was really cool. So um, some more. We'll talk a little bit more about some some playground history. So in 1905, Jane Adams helped to found the Playground Association of America. And their purpose was to really create like regulation around playgrounds because they were made out of dangerous materials. And, yeah. and like, and a lot of the times kids were adults were all working and during the summertime kids would just be doing whatever. And, and so there was no supervision and kids would get real hurt. And so they were like, we have to create some sort of regulation or rules or whatever around playgrounds and play structures. So she helped to create this program about, how playgrounds could be used for enrichment for children and playground supervisors were therefore provided with training and their training included topics such as psychology, education, child development, play theory, (laughs) playground management, playground planning, record keeping and fundraising. (laughs) So like, like it was real serious. (laughs) That's intimidating. Right? But I mean, if you think about it today, how we have these big initiatives to like build a new playground in in like a a town or whatever, and and like a group of people gets together and they fundraise for it, and then they hire a company and they build it in a weekend or whatever, you know? Yeah. And so I feel like that's kind of, we still have that. We have parents who are really committed to like creating good environments for their children to play in. And I think this was sort of like the be- the beginning of that because this was the beginning right. of children's playtime because before this, before 1905, it was the child work time. It's not a thing, <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, so way to go, Jane Adams. Just blazing the trail. Way to go, it's a lady. Yay, ladies. And so we'll talk a little bit about like right after Jane Adams had started this foundation, uh, this association, that's really when the safety concerns around playgrounds really started to skyrocket. So in 1912, climbing structures were banned in New York City. Banned. So by climbing structures, like like anything you could climb or like like rope? Like what, what, what I'm was not sure. it? I'm not sure. Okay. It just said climbing structures, but I have to assume like any sort of like galvanized steel. <laughs> right. Um, structure that was meant for play 
but that had been deemed like too dangerous for children to play unsupervised on. So they just they said these are these are banned. We no longer have these. And also in in 1914, it became illegal in New York City to play in the street because it was it was believed that it would lead to truancy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which is just like skipping school. <laughs> yeah. I thought they were just going to say it could be dangerous because nobody's watching, but okay. Yeah. It's basically like kids who play in the street are like little, I don't know, ragamuffins. So so they made it illegal to play in the street. And eventually, so there was this sort of gap between when government funded playgrounds became more widely available in places. That was like probably closer to 1920. So there was this gap where it wasn't okay to play in the street but there weren't enough playgrounds and the playground uh, and you couldn't play on climbing structures because they weren't safe and they had all been deemed illegal. So instead cities designated certain streets and certain times to be play streets. And during certain hours on very specific streets, they were closed down to traffic. You couldn't go on it. You could only go and play there. So that was sort of how cities dealt with needing to create space for kids to play. in. <laughs> it's kind of a cool idea. Like, it reminds me of like how cities now are like creating green spaces where mm-hmm. cars can't go, like yep. for pedestrians. Yep. I yeah. Know. I think it's kind of like that. Now we're going to get to where logically we get the tire swing from. So in 1931, there's the beginning of what are referred to as adventure playgrounds. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to talk about these too. Oh, you are good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so they were just filled with junk quote-unquote junk Mm -hmm. and like the bones of play structures and it was really just a space for kids to create their own unique play areas with what these adults had just like thrown in so they had put in like tires and whatever else and that's where you know you get kids creating these things that they could play with and so I'm sure you'll talk about this that there's a movement to sort of bring back the adventure playground which I think is pretty awesome I would be behind that we kind of have our own here right <laughs> we have, like lots of junk wooden planks just like right in your backyard <laughs> just in our backyard that's just junk and the kids create their own like things all the time they get hurt but like natural consequences it's fine yeah. nobody gets ever hurt enough to have to like have more than a band-aid so it's fine so the last thing that i wanted to to talk about was this is sort of like a, a personal thing that had happened so now Emma's going to school. She's playing on the playground with friends. So's Joey. Like they're they're experiencing playground play with other kids who aren't just like their tiny little daycare pod. And so when it was when it was just the daycare kids, it was really like the things that they knew about from daycare. And it wasn't like they weren't coming home with things that were familiar to me. You know, they were coming home with Baby Shark and you know, that, that kind of silly stuff, right. you know, they weren't coming home with like stuff that I remembered from when I was little, but a week at public school and Emma's like, mommy, do you want to do bubblegum bubblegum? And I was like, <gasps> excuse me, what? Yes. So yeah. like, here I am in my backyard doing bubblegum bubblegum with, with Emma. And I was just like, I can't believe this. I was like, so what are some of the other games that you play? And so she starts rattling off like, oh, we do duck, duck, goose and we do one that should not still be done because it's problematic, but eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. And what was the other one? Um, Ring Around the Rosie. And like all of these these games that our parents played, you know? Yeah. 
that when kids get together on a playground, those are the kind of fun games that they create and that they use their environment to play. They play freeze tag and they play hide and seek and, and a playground is the perfect environment to facilitate those games. And the fact that those games still exist with the exact same words as 50 years ago, 70 years ago, like to me, that's like the timelessness of playgrounds. So I thought that was really cool. I was just like, yes, Emma, come home and tell me, but I can't wait until she comes home asking if I want to play mash with her. I'm going to be like, yes, I'm oh, here for mash, it. Oh my, my favorite. <laughs> that was oh, my that's favorite. Such, that's such a good point. I mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. I, I can't believe the kids still do hand games just because of like, you think like with technology now that they just don't have the patience to do stuff like that, but. Yeah, they do like down on the banks. Oh, I love that, that one. There's so yes. many, but yeah. So there's all those things. She comes home and she's like, oh, can we do this one? Can we do that one? I'm just like, I remember these from camp, from school. I just, you know, like they do the song that never ends. I'm like, this is great. So I just, I wanted that 90s childhood for my kids. And somehow magically playground games have, have given that to me. (laughs) That's great. So yeah. Yay. That's that's the end of my history of playgrounds. Wow. So you can find us online in many places. We are on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we are always at OPDW Podcast. You can send us email at opdwpodcast at gmail.com. And we love we love all the stories that you want to share with us. We love any feedback you want to give us. If you want to give us a review on whatever podcast listening platform you use we're always thrilled to get those they really help people find the show and they just fill our hearts with so much love so 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 much review rate and review our show it makes us feel super super loved and yeah thank you for being here yes and our music is by theo rosenberg so thank you theo thank you theo okay jen until next time wherever you are charles wicksteed We hope you're surrounded by only your girl slides and that you get a splinter every time you slide down one.